ಶುಕಮುಖಾದಾಮೃತಾವಸಾಮ್ಯುತಂ ಪಿವತ ಭಾಗವತ ರಸಮಾಲಯೂರಾಶಿಕಾಭುವಿ ಬಾಬುಕ ನಿರಮಕಲ್ಪತರೋರ್ಗಲಿತ ಫಲ ಶುಕಮುಖಾದಾಮೃತಾವಸಾಮ್ಯುತ ಪಿವತ ಭಗವತ ರಸಮಾಲಯೂರಹೋರಸಿಕಾಭುವಿ ಬಾಬುಕ ನಿಗಮ ದಿವೇದಿಕ್ ಲಿಟರೇಚರ್ಸ್ ಕಲ್ಪತರೋ ದಿಸೈರ್ ಟ್ರೀ ಗಲಿತ fully matured phalam fruit shuka shrila shuka deva goswami the original speaker of shrimad bhagavata mukat from the lips of amrita nectar drava semi solid and soft and therefore easily swallowable samyutam perfect in all respects pivata do relish it bhagavatam the book dealing in the science of the eternal relation with the lord prasam juice that which is relishable alayam until liberation or even in a liberated condition moho always aho oh rasika those who are full in knowledge of the mellows bhuvi on the earth bavuka expert and doubtful translation o expert and doubtful men relish limabatam the mature fruit of the desire tree of vedic literatures it emanated from the lips of shri shukadeva goswami therefore this fruit has become even more tasteful although nectarian juice was already relishable for all including liberated souls purport in the previous verse in the, in the two previous shlokas it has been definitely proved that the shrimabhatam is the sublime literature literature which surpasses all other vedic scriptures due to its transcendental qualities it is transcendental to all mundane activities and mundane knowledge in this shloka it stated that shrimabhatam is not only superior literature but is the ripened fruit of all vedic literatures in other words it is the cream of all vedic knowledge considering all this patient and submissive hearing is definitely essential with great respect and attention one should receive the message and lessons imparted by the shrimad bhagavata The Vedas are compared to the desire tree 
because they contain all things noble by man. They deal with mundane necessities as well as a spiritual realization. The Vedas contain regulated principles of knowledge covering social, political, religious, economic, military, medicinal, chemical, physical, and metaphysical subject matter, and all that may be necessary to keep the body and soul together. Above and beyond all this are specific directions for spiritual realizations. Regulated knowledge involves a gradual raising of the living entity to the spiritual platform. And the highest spiritual realization is knowledge that the personality of Godhead is the reservoir of all spiritual tests or rasas. Every living entity beginning from Brahma, the firstborn living being within the material world, down to the insignificant end, desires to relish some sort of taste derived from the sense from sense perceptions. These sensual pleasures are technically called rasas. Such rasas are of different varieties. In the revealed scriptures, the following twelve varieties of rasa are enumerated. One, Raudra, anger. Two, Adbuta, wonder. Three, Shingara, conjugal love. Four, Asya, comedy. Five, Vira, chivalry. Six, Daya, mercy. Seven, Dasya, servitorship. Eight, Sakya, fraternity. Nine, Bayanaka, horror. Ten, Vivatsa, shock. 11. Shanta, neutrality. 12. Batsalia, parenthood. The sum total of all these rasas is called affection or love. Primarily, such signs of love are manifested in adoration, service, friendship, parental affection, and conjugal love. And, and when these five are absent, love is present indirectly in anger, wonder, comedy, chivalry, fear, shock, and so on. For example, when a man is in love with a woman, the rasa is called conjugal love. But when such love affairs are disturbed, there may be wonder, anger, shock, or even horror. Sometimes love affairs between two persons culminate in ghastly murder scenes. Such rasas are displayed between man and man, and between animal and animal. There is no possibility of exchange of rasa between a man and an animal or between a man and any other species of living being within the material world. The rasas are exchanged between members of the same species. But as far as the, the spirit souls are concerned, they are one qualitatively with the Supreme Lord. Therefore, the rasas were originally exchanged between the spiritual living being and the spiritual all, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The spiritual exchange or rasa is fully exhibited in the spiritual existence between living being and the Supreme Lord. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is therefore described in the Shruti Mantras, Vedic hymns, as the fountainhead of all rasas. When one associates with the Supreme Lord and exchanges one's constitutional rasa with the Lord, then the living being is actually happy. 
This Shruti mantras indicate that every living being has its constitutional position, which is endowed with a particular type of rasa to be, to be exchanged with the personality of Godhead. In the liberated condition only, this primary rasa is experienced in full. In the material existence, the rasa experienced in the perverted form, which is temporary. And thus, the rasas of the material world are exhibited in the material form of raudra, anger, and so on. Therefore, one who attains full knowledge of these different rasas, which are the basic principles of activities, can understand the false representation of the original rasas which are reflected in the material world. The learned scholar seeks to relish the real rasa and the spiritual form. In the beginning, he desires to become one with the supreme, thus less intelligent transcendentalist cannot go beyond this conception of becoming one with the spirit all, without knowing of the different rasas. In this shloka, it is definitely stated that spiritual rasa, which is relished even in the liberated stage, can be experienced in the literature of the Srimad Bhavatam, due to its being the ripened fruit of all Vedic knowledge. By submissively hearing this transcendental literature, one can attain the full pleasure of his heart's desire. But one must be very careful to hear the message from the right source. Srimabhatam is exactly received from... It, it was brought by Narada Muni from the spiritual world and given to his disciple Sri Vyasadeva. They later, in turn, delivered the message to his son, Srila Shukadeva Goswami, and Srila Shukadeva Goswami delivered the message to Maharaj Parikshit just seven days before the king's death. Srila Shukadeva Goswami was a liberated soul from his very birth. He was liberated even in the womb of his mother. In the womb of his mother. And he did not undergo any sort of spiritual training after his birth. At birth, no one is qualified, neither in the mundane nor in the spiritual sense. But Sri Shukadev Goswami, due to his being a perfectly liberated soul, did not have to undergo evolutionary process for a spiritual realization. Yet, despite his being a completely liberated person, situated in a transcendental position above the three material modes, he was attracted to this transcendental rasa of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is adored by liberated souls who sing Vedic hymns. The Sublime Lord's pastimes are more attractive to liberated souls than to mundane people. He is, he is of necessity not impersonal because it is only possible to carry on transcendental rasa with a person. And the Srimabhata and the transcendental pastimes of the Lord are narrated and the narration is systematically de- depicted by Srila Chukadev Goswami. Thus the subject matter is appealing to all classes of persons, including those who seek liberation and those who seek to become one with the Supreme All. In Sanskrit, the parrot is also known as Shuka. When a ripened fruit is caught by the red beaks of such birds, its sweet flavor is enhanced. 
The Vedic fruit which is mature and ripe in knowledge is spoken through the lips of Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who is compared to the parrot, not for his ability to recite the Bhagavatam exactly as he heard, as he heard it from his learned father, but for his ability to present the work in a manner that will appeal to all classes of men. The subject matter is so presented through the lips of Srila Shukadeva Goswami that any sincere listener that hears submissively can at once relish transcendental tastes which are distinct from the perverted tastes of the material world. The ripened fruit is not dropped all of a sudden from the highest planet of Krishna Loka. Rather, it has come down carefully through the chain of the cyclic succession, without change or disturbance. Foolish people who are not in the transcendental cyclic succession commit great blunders by trying to understand the highest transcendental rasa, known as the rasa dance, without following in the footsteps of Shukadeva Goswami, who presents this fruit very carefully by stages of transcendental realization. One should be intelligent enough to know the position of Srimabhatam by considering personalities like Shukadeva Goswami, who deals with the subject so carefully. This process of the cyclic succession of the Bhagavata school suggests that in the future also Srimabhatam has to be understood from a person who is factually a representative of Srila Shukadeva Goswami. A professional man who makes a business out of reciting the Bhagavatam, illegally is certainly not a representative of Shukadeva Goswami. Such a man's business only turns his livelihood. Therefore, one should refrain from hearing the lecture of such professional men. Such men usually go to the most confidential part of the literature without undergoing the gradual process of understanding this grave subject. They usually plunge into the subject matter of the rasa dance, which, mis- which is misunderstood by the foolish class of men. Some of them take this to be immoral, while others try to cover, to cover it up by their own stupid interpretations. They have no desire to follow in the footsteps of Srila Shukadeva Goswami. One should conclude, therefore, that the serious student of the rasa should receive the message of Bhagavatam in the chain of the cyclic succession from Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who describes the Bhagavatam from its very beginning, and not whimsically to satisfy the mandanir, who has very little knowledge in transcendental science. Srimad Bhagavatam is so carefully presented that a sincere and serious person can at once enjoy the ripened fruit of Vedic knowledge, simply by drinking the nectarian juice through the mouth of Shikadeva Goswami or his bona fide representative. So, this verse, the third verse of the Shivabhatam, speaks about the importance of understanding rasa. Rasa uh, can be translated as taste or mellows. Uh, Prabhupada's guru translates as mellows. 
something to be relishable. So there are 12 rasas described in the Vedic literature and we know the five main ones, Shanta, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya and Madhurya. But there are other seven indirect rasas and are described as anger, wonder, comedy, chivalry, mercy, horror, and shock. And in the pastime of Krishna, you can find also those seven present there. They are subordinate to the five principal rasas. If you read the Nectar of Devotion, there are many examples of all these 12 rasas described very, very carefully, very elaborately. And with pastimes, this pastime represent the anger, the horror, like that, no? So there's everything for everybody's taste. In the material world, people sometimes like to see horror movies, they pay to suffer because they're suffering. You do something horrible, you suffer. But they like they like the horror because all, all this material world is a perverted reflection of the spiritual world. So in the spiritual world, well, when Krishna, you know, like Narasimha, he kills Inakasipu, that's an horror scene. He taking out the intestines and put it around his neck. You know, that's. A, that's a transcendental horror movie. <laughs> but, I mean, to say, sometimes people come first time to our temple and they see a painting of Lord Sinhadev. They think he's the demon, the other is the good guy. <laughs> it's the other way around. <laughs> it's, it's very easy to misunderstand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Unless you have somebody to teach you how things are, no? And uh, and also uh, the 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 humor also Krishna's pastime is a lot of humor too. I mean, uh, if Krishna has his own, you know, uh, what do you call uh, what 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 does the name of the of the person who make the king laugh? His, his main duty is to make the king laugh with comedy. They give, an, they give them a name, you know? A jester? A jester. Yeah. What is the other word? First, you said? The court jester. Yeah. So, Prabhupada tells the story about one court jester called Gopal. And uh, in the assembly of the, uh, the court, the king's court, uh, to make a joke of him, the king asked Gopal, what is the difference between you and a donkey? Uh, and Gopal, everybody was laughing, you know, clapping. And and uh, and Gopal walked toward the king, the king's uh, throne. He stood in front of the king, and they started making step backward. He was counting one, two, three, up up to ten. When he reached ten, he told the king, "The difference between a donkey and me are t- ten steps." <laughs> And the king was enjoying. I mean, he was laughing. You know, everybody was laughing. <laughs> He's making fun of the king, but 
he has the right to do it. Because that's his job. Uh, he's being paid for that. Uh, uh, so they enjoy. Uh, so Krishna's friend Madhumangala is, is the is his is, is personal jest, jester. He made Krishna laugh all the time with his humorous talks and pranks and things, you know. You must read about him. Very nice. Will make you laugh like anything. So, and also, um, kings sometimes keep flatterers, you know. They pay them to flatter the king, the the court, you know. But then when people come, they start flattering the king, and they're being paid for that. So once, I hear that in the scripture that there's a story that once the king was looking for a flatterer, you know, to hire. So many men came, you know, to, for, to apply for the job. But uh, it was so important for the king that he himself, uh, himself tested them, you know, interviewed them. So one by one they will come. So the first one to come, the king asked him, uh, are you sure you can do this job? Oh yeah, I'm very sure. No, no, I think you'll not be able to do it. No, 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 be assured, I can do it. I'm very expert. Out, next one. The next one. Okay, I have my doubt that you may be able to do this job. No, no, don't have doubt, I'm very good. Out, next one. Like that. The last one, the king said, actually, I don't think you can do this job. The man said, yes, you're right. I also don't think I can do it. No, 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 but I see you have some good qualities. You may do it. I also think I may do it. But no, no, I have changed my mind. I think you can do it. You're right. I can do it. Hired. (laughs) Understand the point? So, I mean, amongst great souls, great Vaishnava, when they preach such a day, they're not like the jesters, you know. this is real glorification of Shukadev Goswami because he's a pure devotee of the Lord. He's the greatest taster of rasa, you know. He relish the rasa. And it's very nicely described that, uh, that Srimabhatam is the ripened fruit, you know, of, of the Vedic literature. And what is the tastier fruit? Mango. The king of fruit, isn't? And when 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 the fruit ripes on the tree, is more tasty. And if if a parrot picks on it, becomes even sweeter. According to this description, I've never tried one mango like that. I don't know you. <laughs> it sounds very good. Huh? So I did try mangoes ripe on a tree, and they are much more sweet than the. The one taken green, then they wrap them, wrap them outside the tree. So this means that the Shivabhadam is so nice and relishable, but just by Shukadeva Goswami describing it became even tastier. Uh-huh. I mean, he was a liberated soul from birth. Uh-huh. I mean, but he didn't want to get out of the womb of his, of his mother. Because he thought, no, Maya can, very strong, can catch me. Better I stay inside. 
So his father went to Dwarka and asked Krishna to please convince the child to come out. The mother was desperate. The child was for 16 years in the womb. Imagine how difficult for the mother. So Krishna came and assured the child that you will not be affected by my maya. You will be protected. Only then the child agreed to come out. As soon as he was born, he immediately grew up. Up to the age of 16. All the years he was in the womb. And immediately after taking birth, he left home. As he was, naked. He didn't go through any ceremony or purification or nothing. He just walked out the door and left. His father was chasing after him. My dear son, come back. Some people misunderstand that he was materially attached to his son, but no. Shilabhyasadeva knew that his son was a great soul. And he wanted to recite to him the Srimad Bhavatam. But he was so detached, immediately took sannyas after taking birth. <laughs> so it is plain in the, in the, the Bhavatam that Shukadeva Goswami passed in front of a, of a pond where ladies were taking bath. In India, they, they have their special place. Men don't go there. They respect. You know? So, but in his innocence, he didn't, he didn't see difference between men and women. He was so detached, so realized, self-realized, that when he passed in front of the ladies, they were, practically speaking, naked. But they saw his innocent eyes. They could understand this is like a child, you know. A small child doesn't feel lost. So they didn't, they didn't cover themselves. But when Srila Vyasadev passed in front of them, they covered themselves immediately. And the reason is that Srila Vyasadev, although he, also, he is also, of course, self-realized soul, pure devotee, but he was playing the part of a grihasta, of a married man. And to be married, you need to make distinction between man and woman. Otherwise, you can't be married. <laughs> so because of that, they didn't cover themselves. So, anyway, after some time, one of Vyasadeva's disciples told him, uh, my dear Guru, uh, I saw a ghost-like person in the forest, naked, and, and uh, his eyes were like, you know, spaced out, you know. I think maybe he's a ghost. I was frightened just by seeing him. Huh? Uh, and... Uh, then Srila Vyasadeva told the disciple, next time you see this ghost person, you just recite these two mantras I'm going to teach you. So he taught him two mantras from the 10th canto of Srimad Bhattam, describing Krishna's beauty, Krishna's pastimes. So, after a few days, the disciple came running to the ashram of his guru, and Shukadeva Goswam was running after him. And he told his guru, Guru Dev, what mantra you gave me, instead of, of, of driving away the ghost, he's rather following me. <laughs> and basically he said, no, no, no. This is not God, this is my son. Uh, he became attracted by hearing the, the Krishna kata. So I wanted you to bring him here so I can teach him the full Bhagavata. 
And in that way he taught him all the Bhagavatam, you know. So, uh, and then immediately after learning Bhagavatam from his father, he went to teach it to Maharaj Parikshit, who had only seven days to live. So we can understand that in our disciplic succession, the important thing is the rasa. That is the most important thing. Huh? But rasa should be along with tatwa. You know, the, the test and the philosophy, the true, you know, the siddhanta, the final conclusion of our philosophy. Because people become interested in rasa, but they don't have the tatwa, the knowledge, they just become sahajas, you know, taking shipley, you know, like that. So two things are very important. Like once Prabhupada uh, asked uh, Bhaktichara Swami to cook for him a preparation that has a lot of ghee. And he instructed him, you have to put this much of chilies in it. So he bought the preparation. Prabhupada told him, you didn't put the amount of chili I told you. You put less. Why? Oh, Prabhupada, I'm sorry. I was. I thought he was a little sick and too much chili may be not so good for you, Prabhupada. You don't understand. When you eat too much ghee, you have to eat much chili to digest the ghee. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, uh, and, uh, and similarly, the chili represents the, the knowledge, you know? The knowledge is very spicy. You're not the body, you're the soul. You have to surrender to Krishna, give up sense gratification. You know, surrender. <laughs> and the pastime, the rasa, the taste, you know, is the, is the, is the ghee. <laughs> so if you have a lot of ghee, you have to have also a lot of chili along with it. So you don't, you know, the balance, you know, <laughs> both sides. So you can digest the ghee, you know. You need the, the knowledge, the basic. But if only philosophy and no rasa, you will become, you know, a little harsh, you know, angry sometimes, you know, like that. Huh? You preach a little fanatically, you know. <laughs> but if you have the rasa, that helps you to mellow a little bit. So you can balance both things, you know, nicely together. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. So all the original rasas are in the spiritual world, and they have their perverted form in the material world. No, and it's interestingly, Prabhupada saying that rasa can be exchanged in the same species, not different species. But sometimes we see dogs, you know, interact with humans, animals interact with, 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 with humans. But it can't be actually in the same level that a human can love another human. You know, man can love a, man, a woman. You can have the same relation with an animal, you know. There are perverted people who may have this, you know, uh, crazy, you know, ideas uh, of having sex with an animal uh, because of lust, you know. Prabhupada described that too, you know. And farms may have sex with a cow, but that's a completely perverted thing, you know. That's not normal. That's complete madness. Anyway, uh, tell you one story in regard to that. 
some years ago in, in England, uh, some gurus came from India for a meeting and they invited Iskon devotee to take part also. And, and there was a big mela, you know, devotees were also be able to chant and preach and sell the books and everything. So one, one lady asked one of the Indian guru a question. She asked, Guruji, can you please explain what is the meaning of love, prem? What is the meaning of prem? And the Guruji said, oh, prem, prem, prem. Prem is, love is, when I leave my home and go for a long, long journey. And after many months, I come back. And when I open the door, I find my dog staring at me. And I'm staring at him. And that exchange, that glance, that is love. That is prayer. <laughs> Imagine. The Guru just speak about loving the dog, you know. Instead of loving God. <laughs> so everything is so misunderstood nowadays. People don't know the meaning of love. They think love means to love anything. They understand real love is to love God. And if you love God, of course you will love everything. You love everyone. Because you will see everything is connected to God. Everybody is part and parcel of God. In that sense. Any comments, questions? Very good. So thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Thank you for receiving me in Dallas. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So it was a great pleasure to be here with all of you. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Hare Krishna.